Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. You're listening to the Net Worth Podcast. I'm Noops, and you can find me on Twitter at underscore Noops, and I'm joined by at Spread Astaire. And we're going to talk to you about all things WTA, do a little recap of the last week with the tournaments in Quebec and Hiroshima, and look forward to the week coming and some of the Asian tournaments. Spread, how you doing? I'm doing great today. I'm looking forward to breaking down these tournaments. Absolutely. All right, so let's dive in a little bit. Um, you know, as we look to the last week, um, we had a really fun tournament in Quebec. Um, for those of you who listened to last week's podcast, you'll be laughing at, at basically how wrong I, I think we really were here, Spread. We spent a lot of time talking about how we expected Arena Sabalanka to go out and really blow away the competition on the faster carpet surface. And uh, that ended very quickly in the first round as Vivara Lepchenko knocked Sabalanka out. Um, what did you think about that, Spread? Yeah, I was I was surprised, but of course we did mention that the upsets were possible um, in these smaller tournaments. Um, although one thing that we had mentioned was we were trying to, you know, we're gauging motivation and uh, fitness, and she definitely seemed motivated. I think it was more of a fitness fatigue deal where she's been playing a lot of tennis lately, and uh, it might have caught up to her. Not to mention the the uh, abrupt surface change going from the really slow hard courts of the U.S. Open to the uh, really quick carpet um, could have thrown her off as well. So that was disappointing. One thing I did want to point out that we had kind of right on the last podcast was uh, Puig's future. Puig ended up doing all right for us, and she was kind of hedgeable once she got to, uh, to play against Kennan um, because you could hedge her out in the quarters at plus 180. Um, so that was one thing that was nice out of the tournament. The other thing I was disappointed was uh, as an American, and I don't know how this worked out, but due to TV rights, I wasn't able to watch it. So all I was able to see was highlights and check the scores. So I honestly spent a lot more time capping Hiroshima this last round. Uh, disappointed because we rarely get to see carpet, and I wanted to see those matches. So only got to see highlights, but uh, overall it was a fun tournament. It really was. A couple really exciting performances. It was fun to see Heather Watson win three matches. Um, I could not be more surprised to, to see Pauline Parmentier um, win a tournament, um, let alone over some of the women that, that she beat. So I, I had a little rough week going against her. Um, but, you know, again, really fun to watch Heather Watson, Sophia Kennan, um, Jennifer Pe uh, Pegula, or Pegula, my apologies, um, really impressive making it all the way to the final. So a really exciting week. Anything else to touch on for you, Spread, there? No, not much. I think you got it. I mean, the final was a huge surprise. Um, Kennan's break, breakout performance. Um, she continued. She looked great at the at the U.S. Open. It's funny how the uh, American women have been. You know, Danielle Collins looked poised to break out uh, earlier in the year, and then she kind of uh, sputtered out this summer. And now Kennan seems to have taken the mantle. But it was kind of exciting for um, those of us supporting American players because uh, we have a couple young Americans um, that are ready to come up. And I was really pleased with Kennan's performance. It was a fantastic week in Quebec, and I'd definitely echo your comments earlier about being frustrated of not being able to see it. So hopefully next year the folks at the WTA, who I'm sure are listening very carefully, um, get it together and, and get us some matches in Quebec on TV. So jumping ahead to the, uh, last, the other tournament we had last week, uh, Hiroshima, a really interesting tournament to see Amanda Anasimova, a young player who I know a lot of us really enjoy watching, kind of blow through the competition almost all the way till the finals and 
lose what you know wasn't an entirely confusing match to Sue Shea, but definitely not what oddsmakers were expecting going in. Um, Anna Samova, a heavy favorite, I believe, around minus two fifty, laying at least four, if not four and a half games. But you know, despite the loss, a really impressive tournament by her. Um, you know, taking a look at back at some of the things that we had talked about, uh, Kyung Wang. Um, you know, wins three three tournament three games, so a good position to hedge if if you were smart enough against Suwei Shea. Um, spread. What were you What were you seeing? What are your memories of last week for Hiroshima? Uh, I got to watch most of it. Um, pretty good tournament, kind of what we expected. The, it was a little marred by rain, so I thought that you know made some performances tough to judge if we're going to take them forward. I thought Wang played pretty well until she pretty much no showed against Shea which surprised me because um, she'd been playing so well before. And one thing that usually when you back her, you usually get consistent effort. Uh, it's not that she wasn't trying hard, but, I mean, you usually get a like, consistent player. You know what you're getting. Uh, really dis- uh, surprised and disappointed she no-showed against Shea. Um, uh, Tom Lonovich looked good, and we'll be – uh, I'll be, you know, using that some more because she's already over in Asia, more adjusted to the time schedule. So I kind of look for big things for this week. Enjoyed uh, seeing her out there. And then, of course, the story of the tournament, even though she lost it, had to be Amanda Anisimova. Um, she looked fantastic. Um, highlights, she had all the best highlights of the tournament. I mean, she was just, her forehand is unbelievable. First serve, she can really dial it up. And uh, where she ended up having problems with in the final was on the second serve versus Shui, and she, you know, it's a common problem amongst WTA players is just having that second serve that they can get in, and against, you know, when they're not used to against the top players, they'll take advantage of it, um, you know, allowing them to dictate the points and start being ahead on their return game, which I think was her downfall, uh, and we don't want to take anything away from Shui. I mean, that's uh, uh, some of the best performance that I've seen of her this year. Um was a little bit surprised that she was able to maintain that level. I've seen her play like that, but um, not usually able to maintain that level. So for her to show that consistency, I thought it was a very impressive performance, and I'm sure she's pretty happy to pick up her uh, her first tour win in at least three or four years. Really fantastic performance by her. I'm glad you kind of ended on that note. I think a lot of people will talk about Amanda Anasimova, but I always kind of feel bad when the story is something else besides the winner. Um, a really impressive tournament by her. Someone who, you know, doesn't really have a lot of the power and a lot of flash as some of the other players, but really steady, a really smart tennis player, and really impressed by some of the women she was able to beat this week. You know, Tom Ljanovic, Kyung Wang, and then Anna Samova in the final. A really impressive tournament by her. So, a good week in Quebec, a good week in Hiroshima. Um, let's start taking a look forward. Um, we'll start with the tournament in Seoul. We have defending champion Helena Ostapenko returning. So, you know, since we do have the world's biggest Helena Ostapenko fan, I'll let you go ahead first, Fred. What are you thinking? What are you seeing? Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited to see how she defends her uh, title. She's at plus 250, which is not a good value at all. And honestly, I don't expect her to defend the title either. She's been kind of inconsistent um, all summer. And I just... I really don't see her putting together performances to defend her title. I know when defending the French Open, um, it was the first time ever she had uh, mentioned nerves being a factor in her poor performance, and that was one of the things that had allowed her to raise her game and win the French the year before was her basically uh, inability to feel pressure, inability to feel nerves, and go ahead and go for shots, a race, 
memories when she made mistakes and to keep plugging. So to see her being affected by the pressure of defending her title and then admitting it afterwards, I mean, it was obvious. It's not like, you know, she admitted something we didn't know. But uh, I thought that was an interesting turn in her because that was what I thought was one of her strengths beforehand uh, was mental toughness and her uh, self-belief and her ability to kind of have bad things happen to her and not, you know, not absorb it, not allow her her to uh, affect her future play, you know, on the next point. Um, So she's kind of succumbed to that a little bit as she's become more of a star. This is all going to be a growing process for her. Um, you know, and I still expect a lot for her out of her career, but I think this is going to be a rough patch. And I think that she might need to get, you know, knocked down a peg or two more before, you know, she rededicates herself and really starts picking it up. Because the one other thing I noticed about her is since the French Open, I don't think that she's really improved um, that much. It's not like you look at her and you see big improvements. And the disappointing part was going into last uh the offseason last year, we knew that her second serve, you know, we're going to mention second serves a lot when we're talking about um, women players, but, um, you know, she really didn't improve it at all, and her actually first serve consistency hasn't been as, as strong this year. So um, we know what she needs to work on. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. She could meet up with uh, the winner of Hiroshima Shea here in the second round, if uh, in the third round, I mean, if everything goes well. So that could be a fun match, but, um, you know, with Ostapenko, you never know what to get. In fact, we had discussed it um, before that um, due to her inconsistency, um, one of the opening lines was Arab, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, Arab Barena (laughs) at plus six. Yeah, that's that's a lot of letters. Yeah, I kind of like that one at plus six going against her. She's um, not always the most consistent player. So that was my views on her top half. And wow. uh, the people that stand out to me on the bottom half of the draw, I like um, the value at Sakurai at plus, depending on where you go. Bovada has her at plus 1,200. I think Five Dimes has plus 1,800. And I think the Kiki Burton's probably is my pick to win the tournament. Although at plus 350, I don't see any value at all um, in Burton's. I would just look to back her either on the game spreads or just as she goes along. And um, the other one I'd like to look out for over here that I think has a little value would be Tom Tom Zlanovich, who played very well, is already over in Asia, has been there for a week, and is probably much more accustomed to the time change and, uh, you know, reset her body clock. And, of course, uh, Rybarakova, because I expect the course to play a little faster, um, and I think that she'll be able to serve her way too. So... That could be an interesting third-round match with Rybarakova and Tom Tom Donovich if they both advance. But uh, like we say in the WTA, nothing's a given like that. It's really sad to hear you talk about Ostapenko like that. I, I was expecting a lot of positivity. Returning champion, she's gonna you know doesn't really seem to have too tough of a draw until that third-round match you mentioned against Shea. Um, so really tough times for Helena. I mean, if I assume she's listening here, and we're very sorry and. You know, we hope you give us a performance to kind of turn spread around here a little bit. Um, you know, to hear you talk about her that way, that's things are pretty bleak. Um, but I echo a lot of the same things you're looking at here in the top half. Um, it's hard to figure out which Ostapenko we're going to get. She has a draw that's, I believe, pretty favorable. The first two matches um, aren't going to be ter- are terribly easy, but she should beat... You know anybody she sees there in those first two rounds, she'll should see a tired Shea in the third round, um, and put her in a really good position here to make the quarters and and possibly even the semifinals. 
taking kind of a step back from more of a value perspective, um, highlight a lot of the same things you were saying about Tom Tom. Tom Miljanovic here. Um, her first round match against Van Udvank might actually be the hardest match she really has until she gets to sort of the winner of that top group between Ostapenko and Shea. Um, you know, Van Udvank had some really good numbers here on hard courts and is a really solid player, but has had not the best sort of second half end of the year here. Um, not a lot of winning in the last few months for her. So I, although that you know from a talent perspective, I would expect that to be a pretty close match. You know, like you mentioned. Um, Tomjanovic already being over, used to the time, having played a little tennis over here and being in pretty good form. I think that she is an, an absolutely great look uh, from an outright perspective. I'm seeing 20 to 1 on Bovada. I think I'll definitely be grabbing that for a little bit because um, I think, again, she's going to be in a really great spot coming up to that match with Ostapenko and Shea and being in a really good chance to, to advance there. Diving into the bottom half a little bit. Um, not too many people here that I really like from an outright perspective. You know, Kiki Burton's is playing some really great tennis these last few months, uh, much to my chagrin as I continue to fade her um, as her hard court numbers seem to turn better and better and better with each match. Um, but priced at three and a half to one, I think I'll be staying away from that. You know, has a, a pretty easy road here. You know, if you're a big Kiki Burton's fan, I don't necessarily think I'd make fun of you for grabbing her three and a half to one, but not a ton of value. You know, kind of the top half of that bottom section as well. Like you said, Sakari looks pretty good. Um, not too many women there I, I see in her second or third rounds that, that really should should be challenging. Um, but from an outright perspective, again, I think I'll be looking at uh, Tom Lajanovic here. Um, so any other thoughts here on soul spread? No, I think we pretty much got it right. Uh, you know, Kiki Burton's, I, I think this is going to be real interesting to see how she performs. Um you know, I know that Jorge and I kind of swore off uh, favorite on this on this uh, spread betting yesterday, but you know, obviously uh, reaction real quick. Um, to and Watson wouldn't even won anyways, even if we took the money line, so it didn't matter. But uh, but Burns, I could see really rolling here in these early rounds. I like I think until she gets to um, the quarter, she has a pretty nice draw. I could see her covering some spreads unless they start hanging the, the dreaded five and a halfs and sixes. And, uh, yeah, just another point. I mentioned it earlier, but uh, uh, Sakurai at, at plus 1,800 and Tom Zlanovich, I think, is a good uh, value there. Um, those are my two favorite bets for Korea. Yeah, I'll be with you on Tom Zlanovich. I think we'll probably those tweet right that now. out. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and submit those right now. Excellent. Uh, I'll be sure to tweet those out. You know, for those of you who don't already, you can follow the podcast at NetWorthWTA. Um, we put out a couple picks there. Um, and, you know, it's, you did kind of touch on that quickly. Just wanted to apologize to the team here for that Watson pick. Um, I, you know, I was on the money line, and both you and Jorge on the spread, that really could not have gone any worse. Um, it seemed like she had gotten tired at that point. So um, I think overall a good week for us there. But, you know, please follow us, and you can track some of our picks as we go through the week. So diving in here to the next tournament, we want to take a look at Tokyo. Uh, number one seed, Caroline Wozniacki, sitting there hopefully trying to figure out how healthy she may or may not be, but should be a really strong uh, one seed, assuming she's fit to play. Naomi Osaka coming off her U.S. Open win, also sitting there in the top half. Uh, what do you see in spread? What do you like in the top half? Well, first of all, you mentioned the biggest uh, question mark on it. Is Wozniacki fit to play? She hasn't really looked good, I'd say, for about a month and a half, two months. And... Um, you know, a lot of times I know these players carry their injuries because their appearance fees are so high and they want to defend their points and, 
you know, things of that nature. So I think that's the biggest uh, that's the biggest question mark of this round. Um, looking at it, um, it looks like she has won the title the last two years, and she actually beat Noemi Osaka in uh, 2016. So she's defending a lot of points here. I don't actually use that into my um, handicaps as far as motivation, as far as defending points. I know a lot of people do. But I do use it in the idea that she might um, defend the title even if she wasn't feeling 100%, whereas another tournament she might not. Um, so she's got a tough round. If uh, Georgie's can get past the qualifier, she'll play Georgie there. Um, as, as her first match. So I think that's a tough first match if uh, Georgie's able to go through. And um, although Wozniacki does do better against power players, it's the other uh, defenders that can sometimes give her trouble. Um, overall, this is by far the tournament of the week. <laughs> I mean, this is where all the, all the big names are. Be excited to see how Naomi Osaka... Um, Follows up her big win. If we remember right, I think in Miami, after she won Indian Wells, she beat Serena in the first round. But I think after that, she kind of petered out. Uh, kind of expect the same for her. If uh, Sibylkova gets past the qualifier, she will be playing Osaka there in Osaka's first match. So that's another one where you're coming into a tough one. Obviously, Osaka is much more match seasoned right now. Um, but that could be an interesting match. Um, to see how well she does. And then she would be looking at... Um, there's some good first-round matches. So on the other side there, we have Mladenovic going against uh, Kontavite. Um, and, the, and then Strykova is in the bottom half of that. And those are all, those are the three three of the four names that could be facing potentially Noemi Noe Osaka in the next round. So she's got a really tough road there. And, of course, Barty's on her side. And as much as we're talking about that, the bottom half of this draw, to me, for uh, is just stacked. I mean, you have uh, Muguruza, who we have no idea what her fitness is as well. So I'd say for you know fitness and injuries, the big question marks are Wozniacki and Muguruza. She'll be going against Benchik, who has a lot of talent, and if she's not 100%, could take her out early. So that's going to be a tough one to handicap. I'd definitely stay away from futures of the Muguruza side. Um, you have the Pliskova sisters who could meet in the second round if they both win. That's uh, assuming that uh, Christina is able to get past Dasha Gavrilova, which is not um, not a given at all. And then Stevens Vekic is another interesting match that we have to look forward to there. Um, we have Kanta, Pavlyuchenkova, and Sasnovich and Garcia all in the bottom half. So when I'm looking for futures on this one, and we'll go back into that bottom draw a little more after I get your uh, thoughts on the overall. Um, I really like Barty's value because I think if Barty um, can get by Osaka or, you know, doesn't even have to meet up with Osaka because Osaka's still tired and, you know, kind of getting over a win, little uh, Grand Slam hangover, uh, she has a much easier path to the final than any other woman here. Really interesting to hear you uh, take a look at Ashley Barty because when I look at sort of the top half of the top half, I, I don't think I can touch any of these women. Um, you know, Caroline Wozniacki, number one seed, really impressive uh, player when she's fit. You know, has to face probably Camilla Georgie in her first match. You know, in the bottom section there, Ashley Barty's going to play Coco Vandeweghe. Um, you know, again, don't know how fit or if Coco's really going to be focused to play here, but. Uh, imagine Barty gets through there and has to face Victoria Azarenka, who is another really good player. Um, 
you know, just a, a lot of talent coming through there, and it's just really hard for me to figure out um, who's going to be in form. But, you know, I look in the bottom half of that, that top half, um, specifically, you know, those names you were talking about, Modenovic, Kontavit, uh the one on the bottom there, uh, Strakova, she's at 33-1 to 1 to win the tournament. I think that, you know, given her position, she's in really good shape to win her first two matches. She's going to face either Dominika Sibulkova or Naomi Osaka. You know, Osaka at that point, possibly a little burnt out. Uh, Sibulkova, someone I would take Strakova probably over anyway. I think if she can get through that match, and given you know the talent and the name recognition kind of on the top half, um, you know again you're looking at Wozniacki or Barty probably coming through there. You you know you'd be holding a 33 to one ticket in a really fantastic spot to to hedge and and guarantee yourself some profit. Um, so from the top half perspective, I think I might be grabbing a little bit of a Strakova future, you know, with an eye on hedging out or, or buying out if she's able to make a match against you know probably Caroline Wozniacki or Ashley Barty. Diving into the bottom half, again, a lot of talent. Like you mentioned, this really is a great tournament this week. Um, Karolina Pliskova in a really good chance to make the quarterfinals here. Um, you know, has the first round by looking to play. I imagine it'll be Daria Gavrilova um, instead of her sister. Uh, but either player should be not too much of a trouble for her. Um, you know, Muguruza, like you mentioned, really don't know what we're getting there. Um, hasn't really seemed to be fit or focused or, or really playing good tennis these last few months. I actually just pulled up while you were talking about the line for the first round match there against Benchich. Uh, Benchich plus 190, catching plus four games as well. I think I'll probably be betting both of those. Um, so take a look for uh, those of you who aren't following me on Twitter, again, at underscore noops um, to see if that makes my card. Um, Sloan Stevens kind of sitting there on the bottom half. Um, you know, I looked at this bracket a couple times, and this is honestly, as I'm talking right now, the first time I noticed her name there. Um, coming off kind of a disappointing U.S. Open in, in my stand, from my standpoint, I wonder if uh, this is really an opportunity for her to put together some good matches and kind of get right. Um, you know, her section here, not too difficult until she gets probably to uh, Caroline Garcia. Uh, you know, maybe well, let me Sasha jump Novich. in there real quick on the, uh, on the Sloan. Um, first of all, when Sloan... Last year off the U.S. Open loss, came over to Asia and did not do well at all last year. Um, and actually had some people questioning um, how, you know, her actual commitment to playing these tournaments and actually winning. Um, so I was with Sloan, you know, um, one of the things you need to handicap with her is always her motivation um, because she has been labeled in the past as a player who will no-show tournaments and just show up and get an appearance fee and go home. Um, and going against Donna Vetchitz there in the first round, Vetchitz beat her in Wimbledon fairly easy. I think it was 6-3, 6-1, 6-1, 6-3 maybe. But uh, looking it up, yeah, it was 6-1, 6-3. And um, I think she, I wouldn't be surprised if Vetchitz beat her in the first round. And uh, at um, she's getting, it looks like 2.75 there um, for the European odds, which comes out to what, about plus 180. So mm-hmm. I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if Sloan lost in the first round, and I wouldn't be surprised if she made the final. Yeah, that's a really good commentary there. Uh, motivation, obviously, one of the most important things. And uh, given that history, it's going to be really t- tough to trust her. Uh, you know, when I start to look at some of the outright prices of the ladies in the bottom half here, I don't really see a lot of value, you know. Carolina Pliskova I like, but at 8-1, to one, not so much. Uh, Caroline Garcia, 12-1, to one, that's okay. I, I don't. You know, I'm not really in love with that. Maybe Twelve to one for a number two seed really isn't that bad because you do get the buy. Um, 
This looks like a I really just, tough path to me. You know, you've got Sasha I do too, and round, I don't like Conta, Garcia's form right now at all. But twelve to one for a number two seed kind of popped out at me. Um, but yeah, I'm not playing it actually. Yeah, it's I, I understand what you mean, right? For a two seed, twelve to one seems okay, but just a lot of landmines along the way there. Um, you know, when you have a tournament so kind of loaded with talent during a time of the year when motivation's hard to gauge, I think. You know, like my sort of strategy is going to be with Strakova here. Um, I think you look for some higher numbers and kind of really pay attention and hope you get a good match to head. So, um. Um, one thing to note on Garcia, though, if you did want to take her, because that's like I said, the twelve to one. If you told me you're taking that, I'm not. I'm not against it. I'm not telling you that's a bad bet. She did. She uh, she's the opposite of Steven. She came on really well last year in Asia, and uh, you know won a lot of big matches, got some points, and it kind of propelled her um, into the uh, end of the year. Uh, WTA event event in Singapore Um, so like I said I'm not taking the 12 to 1 personally but if you told me you were taking it um, I wouldn't be surprised one other first round match I thought maybe you and I could look at together here Um, you know usually we'll do this um, you know off the air but uh, Pavlyuchenkova versus Sasnovich I think is going to be a fun first round match to look at um, do you have any lean, or would you be interested in getting involved in that match at all? Right now, it looks like Sasnovich would be about plus 120, and Pavlyuk is about minus 130. That feels kind of right to me. Um, you know, both have pretty good numbers on hard courts. Pavlyuk um a little better, uh, probably actually significantly better. So, you know, taking a look at it, uh, Sasnovich winning hard court matches on average. Um, well, actually, just on hard court matches in general, averaging about plus half a game. So, you know, in total, if you look at all of her matches, she she ends up about plus half a game, which means she's winning more than she's losing. Good record at 25 and 17 in my data set. Pavla Yuchenkova, however, in her average hard court match, is finishing plus 1.1 games. So, you know, in matches, wins and losses combined, she's averaged plus an entire game, a pretty good number, um, 33 and 23 in my data set. So, I, I think that. That's probably price correct. It might actually be a little value on Pavlyuchenkova, though. Right, and through the numbers, I like Pavlyuchenkova. The only thing that uh, just is keeping me from hitting submit on that bet right now would be recent form, and I'm a little worried. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova lost in the U.S. Open to Rebecca Peterson, um, a three-set match, but that's obviously I didn't see that one coming. And then in the Cincinnati Masters, she lost to Kerber, which isn't a bad loss, but she didn't get much uh, match work in because that was the round of 32, so she only got one match in there. Um, same thing in the Canadian Masters, rough draw, where she ran into Halep in the second round, so she wasn't able to get many hardcore matches in there after beating uh, Christina McHale. And that's the only, uh, so really she's only played five hardcore matches since the grass season, and uh, she's two and three, whereas Pavlyuchenkova, um, went on a nice little run at the uh, at New Haven, and that was able to you know probably bump her numbers up in your database. And then at the U.S. Open, she eventually lost. She lost to the eventual champ six zero six zero. And the other thing about that one is she seemed to be carrying an injury in that one. And I actually that was my worst bet of the U.S. Open, and I had you know a guy let me know that she was carrying an injury, and I did not get off it, and I should have bought off it. So. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll actually play it, but I think it's a really interesting match. I mean, I think Pavlyuchenkova you could favor, except for recent form, and uh, Sasnovich, you know, would be, you know, you'd think that you'd get a good value on her as playing well, except for she might be carrying an injury. 
Um, but I thought that was just a fun one for us to go through and just kind of give the listeners an idea of how you and I uh, talk through matches, um, you know, during the week when we're trying to figure out our individual plays. Yeah, I love that. It's great to, you know, go through it. Nice to talk through it in person. What are you seeing for a total? On the Pavlyuchenkova match? Yeah. Let me look that up. I was up on... Uh... The reason I ask, uh, both women tend to play a little bit longer matches on average on hard court. My guess is you're going to see, once you pull it up, a number. If it's around 21, I think a good angle here might be the over. Um, Sosnovich winning matches in 24 games. Pavlyuchenkova winning matches in 22 um, Sosnovich herself just in total matches averaging 23 on hard courts. Pavel Yuchenkova 21. So um, let me know what you see once you have it up. But I don't see is, a line on five dimes. I'll check Bovada right now. Um, yeah, for you listeners that don't know, we're on we're on the American uh, the American sites. You know what I'm seeing? 21 and a half games actually. Um, that, that and the only thing I worry about that I, I'm seeing 21 on Bovada at minus 110. Um, for the under, minus 115 for the over. The only thing I worry about that is if Sasnovich is still injured um, and she doesn't retire, that would be the only way. Not the only way, but that would be um, very poor for that wager. That's the only reason I might lay off that one. Yeah, 21 at, at extra juice or 21 and a half is probably a stay away, but just a good angle to stick for in the future. Uh, Sasnovich likes to play long matches, so... I think that just about wraps it up for Tokyo. And unless you have any other thoughts, I think we have enough time to dive into our third and final tournament. That's right, folks. We have three entire tennis tournaments this week. Um, just an, a ton of action for all of us fans. Um, taking a look at Guangzhou, um, you see the top seed there, Alizé Cornet. At the bottom, our two seed, Zhuai Zhang, who had a pretty successful tournament actually last week. Um, what are you seeing? What are you thinking? Uh, well, you know... This is one of the ones that the tennis Twitter, uh, when they're um, dragging everyone, as they would say, that's this is what those vulture tournaments, you know, where everyone's in either. Uh, well, first of all, most everybody is in Tokyo. The ones that aren't are in uh, Seoul, and then you know the rest are here. Get that you know for a good chance at the title. Um, interesting things here. I actually like Wang here. We didn't find an outright here. Um, I was really impressed uh, with her. Um, going into, you know, the way she played at Hiroshima, she's already over there. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a, uh, I saw we're playing Shui Zhang again. Uh, we see Petkovic is over here, and she can be a lot of fun. So if she was able to win, she can obviously make noise. And um, Cornet is another one that's very inconsistent. I She's one that I really enjoy watching her matches, and I don't get down on either side very often because you never know what you're going to get with her. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if she did a nice little run here, and I wouldn't be surprised if she uh, did a first-round uh, exit uh, against Jennifer Brady, which will be an interesting match because Brady um, might not be the most talented player, but uh, I would consider her to be very tenacious, and very rarely do you have to handicap effort with her. Um, so, you know, you don't have 100% Alizé. She could go out in the first round. If Alizé shows up and plays her best, I'd expect her to get past uh, Jennifer Brady there. Um, other than that, some interesting names here that might jump out to us for good hardcourt numbers is Anna Bogdan, who has good hardcourt numbers, um, you know, that I've learned in our discussions with you since you keep the database, um, but really hasn't performed that well that summer. Do you expect big things from Bogdan in this tournament? I'm curious to see what she was going to do. A, a player who, you know, by my numbers, uh, 
really does well on hard courts. Not a, a really, really big um, sample size here. You know, only about 25, 26 matches. But you know, on average, she's looking at plus 1.7 games on hard court matches. And when she wins, she wins by a lot. And when she averages uh, about plus six games, so she is really intriguing. Uh, but actually, I was going to circle back to what you're talking about in terms of Cornet. I think I'm really hoping for her to get past Jennifer Brady in that first round match because I'm going to load up on Katarina Kozlova. Um, had a really good tournament last week, really good by the numbers, and someone who you know, I, I would expect to be a dog in that match just based on Cornet's name, but I'm going to be really excited if I get a chance to take Katarina Kozlova at plus money in that second round. Um, loved, loved your pulling out Bogdan. That was a name I had on my list. She has a pretty good setup there. I can see her winning a couple matches, you know, getting all the way to Victoria Kuzmova, who, you know, not a, a terribly fantastic player when I look at some of my stats here. Um, probably wins her first couple matches just kind of being the best of the bunch, but I think Anna Bogdan in a really good chance, you know, to get by Christina McHale in the first round and uh, Alessandra Krunich in the second round and put her in a good position to make the quarterfinals. All right. Well, it's good to know that you're excited about Bogdan. I know that we had loved her numbers and we hadn't got some of the um, results that we had hoped for back in her because we had been uh, attacking her on the spread a lot and not just straight up. Um, so that's good to know that you are looking for a rebound from Bogdan. So that will be definitely one for us to keep our eyes on uh, moving forward. Uh, if you're going to be following us on Twitter and interacting and things like that, we will probably be paying the least amount of attention to this uh, tournament. Uh, just giving you a disclaimer right now. But we will definitely be looking at it every day because a lot of times um, this might be end up where the most value ends up being with the line makers just throwing one on, not many people getting down. They're not really too worried about exposure. Um, so we'll definitely be going through all the matches every day. Um, whether or not we have a lot of plays – uh, I don't want to say because last week I didn't expect a lot, but being able to watch all the matches, I ended up uh, feeling like I had a stronger feeling for the tournament that I expected to um, when we spoke last Sunday. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. One question I'm trying to figure it out right now is Anis Mova trying to qualify for any of these tournaments or is she taking a week off? That's a great question. Uh, I'm going to try to see if I can pull it up. Why, you know, we, we move up on a, a couple other things. Yeah, it's... um. You know, I know, I know that you know. Spread, you're the more responsible of the two of us in your number of plays, and you, I probably drag you into more things than you would probably normally do anyway. So, um, folks, I wouldn't worry too much. There'll be plenty of, of plays. You know, there's three tournaments this week. I think, like you were mentioning, this tournament specifically because there's a lot of questionable motivation. A lot of times, those things don't get priced properly. You get a chance to um, really pick off some really nice underdog prices. So. Um, you know, although this tournament is not necessarily the most interesting, I know that it will have my full attention um, from a value perspective. So, um, you know, any other thoughts here? Um, uh, I think you hit it up? right on the head as far as um, this tournament. I think on this tournament, I'm going to be looking, almost treating it like an ITF or a challenger. Um, that was one of the reasons we had an eye out on Martich and we were able to um, you know, get some good value and assess her game properly going into Quebec was her winning um, the challenger in Chicago the week beforehand. And um, even though, you know, it is a full WT event, you know, they, they will not be uh, the biggest names on, on the resumes of whoever advances here. But um, I think it's going to be a good indicator 
for us going forward on the rest of this swing of who's here to play, who's adjusted to the conditions, and um, you know who's really ready to go. So I definitely think we can learn a lot from it, even if we aren't. Uh, and we will be keeping our eyes on it, even if we're not posting about it a lot. Absolutely. Um, so to wrap up, did we have uh, any other thoughts? No, I, th I think I'm in good shape. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, please follow um, Spread at Spread Astaire, myself at underscore noops, and the podcast at NetworthWTA. And don't forget our very good friend Jorge at Jorge TWTS Tennis. He is out there working really hard, hardest working man north of the border, um, out there knocking on doors, working uh, for a, pol a big politician, I believe. So possibly a burgeoning career for our good friend Jorge, and uh, we wish him all the best. So have a great week, everybody. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. Sounds good. I'll uh, talk to you guys on Twitter, and I will speak with you next weekend. Have a great week.